means we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty World Cup greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to a special World Cup edition of the Sunday side of sports in one of the biggest upsets in World Cup football history. Saudi Arabia beat Argentina Tuesday 2-1 in the opening Group C game for both teams. Argentina entered the match as a two-time World Cup champion and ranked number three in the world. Saudi Arabia's best World Cup showing was reaching the round of 16 at the 1994 World Cup here in the USA and is currently ranked 51st in the world. Argentina took the lead in the 10th minute on a penalty shot by superstar Lionel Messi. And from there, it looked like Argentina was headed for a big victory. Argentina put the ball in the net three more times before the halftime whistle, with everyone being ruled out for offside. So it was 1 0 Argentina at halftime. Early in the second half, in the 48th minute, the Saudis struck. Salah Al-Sheri latched onto a long ball and lashed a left-footed shot into the far corner. And then five minutes later, Salam Al-Dawsari scored what's being described as a beautiful goal, an early contender for best goal at the first World Cup ever held in the Middle East. He plucked the ball out of the air on the left-hand side of the penalty area, took a wonderful turn, and then curled an unstoppable shot into the far corner. Final score from Qatar, Saudi Arabia 2, Argentina 1 in one of the great World Cup upsets. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's King's sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. My VOA colleague, Sunday Shamari, talks about Cinderella teams. Well, Saudi Arabia certainly qualifies as the Cinderella team so far at Qatar 2022 after that big upset on Tuesday. If you're just tuning in, Saudi Arabia 2, Argentina 1 at the World Cup in Qatar. This is the voice of America, Washington, D.C. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to a special World Cup edition of the Sunny Side of Sports on The Voice of America. In Monday's World Cup results from Qatar, the United States and Wales played to a one-all draw. Tim Weah, 
the son of Liberia's President George Weah, had the goal for the USA. Um, I saw the ball come to Christian, and uh, you know, as we trained in, uh, in practice, once he gets the ball and make those runs in behind, um, time might run well. Christian gave a beautiful ball, and it was up to me to, to, to finish it. I felt like in the first half we had a lot of energy, a lot of momentum. Uh, we had most of the possession. And then coming into the second half, uh, I feel like we kind of uh, dialed down and Wales turned it up a notch. Um, they started pressing us. They had most of the ball. And I think at the, at the end, um, that's, what, that's what really hurt us. And, you know, we just have to be better in, in both halves. And we have to come out there stronger. Uh, Wales is playing a five at the back, which is very difficult. So, I mean, um, they did a great job um, you know, holding us. Wales equalized in the 82nd minute on a penalty shot by their captain, Gareth Bale. In Monday's two other World Cup results, England thrashed Iran 6-2, and the Netherlands defeated African champion Senegal 2-0. Let's listen in now to these Senegalese fans who attended the match. Yes, so my name is Sebani. I'm coming from uh, Senegal in West South Africa. And uh, we are here to support Senegal, our favorite team in this competition. Yeah, so I think it's a, a really difficult situation for us because Sergio Mane is the leader, the leader of the team. And yeah, today uh, his absence uh, does affect a lot the team. And I think yeah, in the in the future, in the next game, we will try to let's say to uh, to, uh, to to play without him to involve everyone, to involve the whole team, and then try to push together, because I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's time. It's time for us to, to take our lead without, without Sadio Mane, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I would like the victory for the Senegal, but uh, I hope the, the victory for the next game. Uh, it was uh, a good game. We lose, but uh, I, I, I hope and uh, I, I think that uh, the next game is uh, it's the good, uh, it's the good uh, moment for, uh, for us and uh, we will take the, the three points, inshallah. The next game for Senegal will be Friday when the team plays host Qatar. Qatar lost to Ecuador by a score of 2-0 in the World Cup's opening match. For more reaction to Senegal's loss, Iron Mike Mbonye spoke with African football analyst Emmanuel Okara. My money was on the Teranga Lions of Senegal to at least pull off a draw against the Orion of the Netherlands. But sadly, the Dutch had a different script for the match and ran away with a 2-0 victory, courtesy of the goal scored by Cody Gakpo and Klassen to break the hearts of the teaming supporters of the 2022 Afghan champions. For Senegal, it had all seemed to be going well until the terrible errors made by goalkeeper Edward Mendy. Before the collapse, the three powerful midfielders of Senegal, caught by Czech Kuyate, had for the most part negated the Dutch. But when Frankie de Jong was given time to measure his cross from the left, Mendy was too slow to react, allowing Gakpo to get to the ball first and direct it into the net. And the rest is now history. Do you think the Teranga Lions of Senegal missed Sadio Mane in the match against the Netherlands? It was very obvious that Sadio Mane was sorely missed by his teammates. If he had been fit, Mane would have provided a much-needed cutting edge to the team's build-up from the midfield to trouble the Dutch. 
Mane was the missing piece from Coach Aliusis's game plan for the match against a Dutch side that initially struggled to hit their stride in the keenly contested showdown. As the team's talisman, he would have continued from where he stopped after the Teranga Lions clinched the much-coveted Afghan trophy and a World Cup ticket all at the expense of the pharaohs of Egypt. With two matches still left to play in Group A, the Teranga Lions must put the money disappointment behind them and strive for a place in the round of 16. Emma, what's your take on the chances of the Senegalese team in the remaining Group A games against host Qatar and Ecuador? Despite the disappointing loss to the Dutch, all hopes are not lost for the Senegalese who can still qualify for the round of 16 if they can focus on the next two matches against hosts Qatar and Ecuador, which to me are winnable matches. But the honors will be on coach Aliou Sisse, skipper Kalidou Koulibaly, Jack Kuyate, Ismail Assar, among others, to nimbly negotiate their way to the round of 16 by winning handsomely against Qatar and Ecuador. Anything short of outright victories in their next two matches will lead to an early departure of the Taranga Lions from Qatar. That's African football analyst Emmanuel Okara. And Emmanuel spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Lagos, Nigeria. Now we'll hear from another Emmanuel. Sporty greetings. This is Emmanuel Amuneke, former Nigerian player, former Tanzanian coach. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Many thanks. Remain blessed and stay safe. God bless you. On the next Straight Talk Africa, the World Cup is underway in Qatar and excitement is at fever pitch. Five African teams, including three from sub-Saharan Africa, are competing. Cameroon, Ghana, Morocco, Tunisia and continental champion Senegal are the African teams participating in this global event. Join me, Heidi Adams, as we discuss the 2022 World Cup at 18.30 UTC this Wednesday on Straight Talk Africa. And I'm looking forward to talking World Cup with Haiti. She's invited me to be a panelist on a special World Cup Straight Talk Africa. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's King's sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars... Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. Joining me now for some World Cup analysis is my VOA colleague, Muckbill Yabaro. Sporty World Cup greetings, Muckbill. Sporty World Cup greetings to you too, Sonny. Muckbill, the indomitable Lions of Cameroon can be described as the World Cup flag bearers for Africa. They've qualified for the World Cup eight times, more than any other African team. And they were the first African team to reach the World Cup quarterfinals 
doing so at Italy 1990. But Muckbill, that was 32 years ago. And Cameroon hasn't advanced out of the group stage since. For Qatar 2022, Cameroon is in Group G with Serbia, Switzerland, and five-time World Cup champion Brazil. Muckbill, who are the players to watch for Cameroon in Qatar? Sonny, I'll have to start off with Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting, the Bayern Munich forward, who's top 10 in scoring in the Bundesliga at the moment. He will bring that firepower that the Cameroonian side needs. He also played with PSG in the past season and possesses a lot of experience that the team can benefit from. Next, I'd like to go with the captain, Vincent Abubakar, who has scored the third most goals in Cameroonian history, only behind Samuel Eto'o and Francois Oman Biak. With these two scorers, it'll give any defense a tough day. Lastly, another key player to watch would be Inter Milan's goalkeeper, Andre Onana. Having a reliable goalkeeper playing in one of the toughest club leagues is something that will be very valuable for the Cameroonian side. Muckbill, I understand some Cameroonian fans criticized some of the selections for their World Cup team. What's your reaction? Sonny, Cameroon is one of those African nations that have the luxury of having too many elite players. So when a big name is left out, it'll be a question from the fans of that player in specific. With having Samuel Eto'o at the very top and coach Rigerberg's song, it is very difficult to argue with their selection, especially knowing their past experiences as football legends for the country. Muckbill, Cameroon will kick off its World Cup campaign November 24th when it plays Switzerland. The Swiss lost to Ghana 2-0 on November 17th in a friendly World Cup warm-up match in Abu Dhabi. Muckbill, I'm guessing Cameroon must have scouted that friendly? Sonny, the interesting thing about friendlies, especially ones that are this close to the beginning of the tournament, is that most teams won't play their top guys to avoid injuries. It'll mainly be the younger players or the reserves that the coaches want to see in order to get them in their team's rotation. But I don't feel like that Swiss side was the side that we will be seeing as a whole unit. There's some players that might have needed to get some reps in that will be on the pitch as starters. A win against the Swiss would Almost, and I say almost guarantee the Cameroonians get out of the group, but all they really need is a draw. Muckbill, the indomitable Lions will play Serbia on November 28th and wrap up group play against world number one Brazil on December 2nd. How do you see those matches? Sonny, I feel like the indomitable Lions have a great shot in this group. If they come out strong against Serbia in their second match, it'll give them some much-needed momentum to play Brazil in their toughest matchup to finish off the group stages. As we've seen, Eric Maxim Chipmoting is in form right now and could score against almost any team if the right ball is played anywhere near his strike zone. So it'll be fun to watch, Sonny. Muckbill, four-time African Footballer of the Year, Samuel Eto'o, has been in charge of the Cameroonian Football Federation for almost a full year. Eto participated in four World Cups as a player. How do you view his leadership role in Qatar? Sonny, there is nothing but respect for Samuel Eto. 
arguably the biggest star to have ever put on a Cameroonian jersey. And I feel like his expertise and leadership will be seen in this tournament. I also like Cameroon's group chances because although there is a clear favorite for the group, with that being Brazil, the second slot is for the taking. It all just depends on who wants it the most. All these teams have got to bring it every single game. Muckbill, the black stars of Ghana, will also be on the pitch Thursday when they play Cristiano Ronaldo in Portugal in their opening World Cup match. How about singling out one black stars player who you'll be watching on Thursday? Mohamed Kudus is a rising, rising star um, for Ghana. I'm super excited to see what he does. Uh, this young man is uh, playing for Ajax um, on his club team and has shown um, his scoring pedigree is unlike anything we've seen in a while. And the interesting thing about what we were saying earlier um, about Sadio Mane and how much it's going to hurt not only the Senegalese team, but the entirety of the continent. But this is one of the first World Cups where we have super high quality players, right, that don't necessarily play for your local teams that have played at the highest levels of clubs um, in Europe and across the world, and they're playing for their home uh, countries. And I feel like that is going to really going to change the trajectory of these African teams moving forward. So Mohamed Kudus, 22 years old, amazing, amazing score. I love to say kudos for kudos, kudos for kudos. <laughs> I like that. But uh, the Black Stars uh, beat Switzerland in a friendly match uh, by a score of 2-0. How much uh, weight do you give uh, a friendly result like that, Muckbill, ahead of the World Cup? It's it's a tough call, Sonny. It's a tough call. The reason for that is, you know, th- there's so many different things that are that you have to put into place. When you have a friendly that close to the competition, are you really playing your main players? Like, what's the main reason for these friendlies happening so close to the tournament? It really, I, honestly, I, I personally don't understand it. Um, seeing that this tournament is in the middle of a club season, this is a, a very unique point. This is the first World Cup that has happened um, in this style or format, I should say, right? So to have friendlies, then on top of all the play that these players have already played, it could just cause more injuries. And we've seen some players, unfortunately, that have gotten injured, um, even in trainings. Uh, so I... I see. I seen the win. Um, I, I like what it does, maybe for the morale of the mm-hmm. Black Stars. But to say that the Swiss were really playing their key guys or go-to guys, it could have almost been like a scouting match, right? To see really where this team is standing at. So, and the Black Stars will kick off their World Cup campaign on November twenty-fourth against Cristiano Ronaldo and Portugal. Ronaldo and Messi, uh, two of the big uh, superstars, and, and this could very well be their last World Cup, Muck Bill. Uh, Messi, uh, 35, I believe, and Ronaldo, uh, 37. If Messi can somehow lift the World Cup, Muck Bill, do you see that as cementing his legacy? I I think his legacy should be cemented as is, right? Um, The difficult part about us fans looking outside, just looking from the outside in, is that we want that key player to win for the national side. To us, I feel like it's the most important one. Club teams, you you can buy 
all these amazing players to play alongside you, you can't buy nationality, right? So to have Messi or Ronaldo be able to lift that World Cup for their team, I think puts them on another level. And I feel like Messi really has the better chance of the two, if I'm to say. He's still been playing really well for PSG. Um, Ronaldo has been having his challenges and difficulty with his club side, Manchester United. Um, hasn't really played as much. Um, so we'll, we'll see. But I, I think if Messi or Ronaldo were to win uh, for, their, for their team, it would be huge. But I don't think they need it to solidify their um, place in, I guess, soccer football history. And the Brazilians uh, go into Qatar as the world's number one ranked team with a superstar of their own, Neymar. Uh, how do you see the Brazilians doing in Qatar, Muckbill? I, I think they, I think they do really well. Um, I, I believe that they are in one of the easier groups um, coming out. They're in Group um, Group G: Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. Um, I feel like Cameroon has a real good shot at coming out of that group as well. Um, Brazil is a clear favorite to win it, but Cameroon can definitely come out of that group. Now, what happens after that is going to depend on whether or not this Brazil side is the Brazil side that we know, because Brazil's always been, they've always had stars. They've always had players who can play individual football, right? The problem with them has been, they haven't had a level of cohesion or chemistry. Um, but I feel like the stars of this generation, especially on this team, are handpicked that they can kind of almost all play with each other. So I'm really interested to see um, how they play um, in the first couple of games in their group to get their kind of flow and their mojo going. But once, <laughs> once they get it going, because a lot of them have been playing really, really good uh, club football as well. So it's going to be exciting to see how how they, they match up with each other. I'm Sonny Young, joined by Muckville Yabaro. You know, I'm also kind of rooting for uh, one of the African referees in Qatar okay. uh, from Rwanda, Salima Mukunsanga. Uh, she'll be making history as uh, one, of, uh, one of three female referees in Qatar, and that'll be one of the firsts that we're going to see. And uh, again, I think it's, it's a huge role in terms of gender equity, uh, in in male sports. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. We saw something similar to this with the NBA Basketball Africa League, um, and it's just going to show us that within the continent, we are trying our very best to move forward, and, and having women in these spaces is showing that they are very much able, and if not even better sometimes, than the guys <laughs> and the, their guy counterparts in doing these jobs. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how she does Refing these games. And Muckbill, in terms of refing these World Cup games, Darren Taylor in Johannesburg filed this feature on some of the other African refs who will be officiating in Qatar. FIFA says it's appointed match officials strictly on merit. And it's difficult to argue with that when studying the resumes of Africa's referees. Zambia's Jani Sikazwe, for example, officiated the 2016 FIFA Club World Cup final between Real Madrid and Japanese hosts Kashima Antlers. He took charge of the final of the 2017 African Cup of Nations or AFCON tournament between Cameroon and Egypt before blowing the whistle at the 2018 World Cup tournament in Russia. Then there's Mustafa Gorbal of Algeria, who had the unenviable task of being in the middle 
of the 2020 African Champions League final between Egypt's bitter rivals Al Ahli and Zamalek. South African Victor Gomez is considered one of the continent's leading refs and was in charge of the AFCON final between Egypt and Senegal in February. Gomez made international sportscasts after telling Egyptian superstar striker Mo Salah to stop whining like a baby before sarcastically offering him his whistle. Gomez says if players give him stick, he throws it right back. Players also need to take responsibility. It's not only the referee. We're only reactive to what's happening from the players. Why are people not saying, hey, we take responsibility for our team not performing today? We have a responsibility as officials, players, coaches, to uplift the game because ultimately it's the game we all serve. He says players, managers, fans and the media are usually too quick to blame the ref when things go wrong. You are going to be the centre of attention, whether it be for good or for bad. At the end of the day, is we need to stop saying, yeah, it's so many, there's so many, there's no. The laws don't apply for number of free kicks or number of fouls or whatever. We need to look and say, okay, is the decision supportable? Is it the correct decision? According to FIFA regulations, World Cup officials are given their assignments 72 hours before kickoff. Gomez says he's looking forward to being surprised in terms of which matches he gets to ref. Yeah, you should never let your guard down, and especially in refereeing you, you know, I always say that when you're a referee, you're the chief problem solver. So you never know, there's always something different, something new. So we just prepare what we can prepare. Our big boss always tells us, do what you can today to prepare for tomorrow. And, uh, you know, you never know what you can expect, and you can never say you're ready, but you just keep fighting, you keep working, and, uh, yeah, the results will show in the end. The video assistant referee or VAR system will be used in Qatar something that's not used in South Africa's Premier Soccer League, where Gomez usually refs. But he says he's more than prepared for VAR. We've had many good courses and, and we've been had a lot of training sessions. Obviously, the transition between doing games without VR and with VR, that is the only problem we have. But there is no future of football or football refereeing without VR. VR is here to stay. And, you know, it just helps us. I mean, how many times you finish a game and you're like, hey, if I'd seen that, I would have made a better decision. So with VAR, it gives you that second chance. And if applied correctly within its protocols, it's here to benefit football, football players, everybody. A FIFA panel will evaluate match officials after every group stage game. Those who score highest will get to handle contests in the round of 16. Gomez says he sees no reason why he can't be one of them. Or Rwandan ref... Salima Mukansanga. Gomez met her at the AFCON tournament, where she became the first woman to referee a Cup of Nations game, a group match that saw Zimbabwe defeat Guinea. In the last few minutes, Mukansanga booked five Zimbabwean players. And a yellow card for time-wasting. Well, that's been a common thread here at the Cup of Nations. She dropped her card along the way. In Qatar, Mukan Sanga will join Stephanie Frappa of France and Yoshimi Yamashita of Japan as the first women to officiate at the Men's World Cup. Gomez has no doubt about the pedigree of the Rwandan and all Africa's referees in Qatar, although he says with a smile he hopes it's his pedigree that shines through to the round of 16 and perhaps even further. 
I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Thanks, Darren. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to a special World Cup edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. Another World Cup result from Qatar. Tunisia and Denmark battled to a goalless draw on Tuesday. It was a much-deserved point for the Carthage Eagles of Tunisia. Earlier Tuesday, Saudi Arabia beat Argentina 2-1 in one of the greatest upsets in World Cup history. The Saudis waving their flag in the Middle East. It is the biggest sports event of the year. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Join VOA to celebrate Africa's king's sport. In-depth coverage, pre- and post-game analysis, breakout stars, Cinderella teams, coaches, players, and let's not forget the fans from the four corners of the continent and from the city of Doha. We'll be there throughout the competition. Don't miss the fun with Team VOA Africa. Let's experience the magic of football together. up the November 22nd edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.